Welcome to the Huff and Puff Podcast, an after-hours discussion of sexual identities. That's the Huff. While getting stoned as hell through all of it. That's the Puff. We are your furry hosts. I'm Leon the Panda. And I'm Comet the Deer. Each episode, we try to bring you a new topic, and today's topic is going to be a discussion of the Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco, which, if you're not familiar with that event, uh, think of it as kind of a pride event that has a focus on leather, BDSM, and kink. So it's going to be a, a, a very interesting discussion, and Leon mm-hmm. and I had the great pleasure of attending that event for the first time this year. And from that event, we're kind of going to talk about our experiences, along with kind of the idea of consent in public spaces, which we've talked about a lot in the past, and probably will talk about more in the future. But before we get too far along that discussion, Leon, what are we smoking today? So today we are smoking on some Sour Chem, which is a cross between Sour Diesel and Chem Dog. It has a nice kind of heady high, and I thought it would be a good way to kind of explore our memories about Folsom. That sounds great to me. Especially like during Folsom, I smoked a little bit while it was there. Did so state-dependent memory will probably help me remember <laughs> a couple things. That's too funny. I was smoking a little bit there as well, but I was smoking uh, Green Goddess, actually. I feel like it's one of those events that you kind of want to be a little bit intoxicated at. Like, they sell drinks at the event, and it's a... Oh, sure. It's a bit of a... It's a lot. It's, um, a, it's an event. Which we'll um, go into. Oh, yeah. So, without further ado... Let's smoke it up. it up. Oh, I feel it. I feel the cosmos. So I'm thinking, like, maybe in the future, someday, when I have the resources for it, I kind of want to, like, make my own THC e-juice, because I really enjoy, like, the form factor of the pens, but, like, the cost of refilling them is kind of weird, and you don't know what's going into them at all. So, like, with this product where I'm able to, like, use my own product and kind of just combine it with something else, I think it sounds, like, really interesting. I want to try it for sure. I wouldn't even know where to begin with uh, trying to research that and figure out how to like create your own e-juice. Is that what it's called? Is that the official vernacular? I think e-juice is more along the lines of like standard vapes, not weed vapes. It's it's super easy. There's like this new product that's out called like Wax X or something, and you just add a couple drops to any extract, um, like any resin or shad or anything, and it just kind of distributes it into um, a more viscous form. Uh, something that you can actually put inside of low cartridge like that. Interesting. And the person who I was watching was like, oh yeah, those cartridges, you know, they're kind of weak, but when you actually start making your own, like, you can start really making some big clouds. What, what exactly have you been smoking? Because those cartridges are pretty potent. I think th- there are someone who does reviews on different products. Um, so they probably have a high tolerance at this point? Oh yeah, it seemed like they made their juice and put it into like one of the big um, cartridges for just like a vape rig. But first, we have a couple news topics that we'd like to go into. Some bad, some also bad. First, um, just a quick trigger warning. We are going to be talking about some of the recent uh, events uh, regarding trans rights. Um, So trigger warnings for transphobia. And we're going to be going possibly into silicone in the queer and kink community. So trigger warnings for um, death and possibly body uncomfortableness. We will have the time links in the description if you just kind of want to move on to the fulsome bits. So Comet, what do you have for us right now? Okay, so this morning, the New York Times uh, released a article that's uh, quite concerning. It relates to the Trump administration's uh, decision to basically put into legal terms the exact definition of what sex and gender is. And they are kind of eliminating any possibility for trans uh, identity because they want to define sex as uh, based upon genitalia at birth. And, and even genetics at that. And point. genetics, okay. So, it, and to them, it, you are uh, assigned for life with mm. uh, whatever your your given gender is, and that sucks. It's honestly completely evil. It's fascist. Like we were talking about this prior to recording, but it's in a very unfunny way, comically evil. It doesn't help anyone whatsoever. No, it doesn't. I I really don't see what the overall benefit of this is. It's just going to harm people's lives. I'm going to read a really quick excerpt from the New York Times article just to give some context. Uh, But it begins by saying the Trump administration is considering narrowly defining gender as a biological 
immutable condition determined by genitalia at birth, the most drastic move yet in a government effort to roll back recognition and protections of transgender people under federal civil rights law. It's vile. And the thing that's most surprising to me about, not that I should be surprised that they're moving in this direction, but it just seems so petty. Of all the things for like government to be getting its hands into, Ooh. this doesn't seem to have any bearing on anything. And that's why, to me, it's just inexplicable and it's just pure wrong because this only serves to make already marginalized people feel more othered and forgotten. And, this for, is, and for what? I don't, I, don't, I don't really see what the administration or the country would get out of like making this kind of intense like, regulation of like the definition of sex and gender. I feel like maybe a part of it was the fact that Obama passed um, different rules to help trans people and Trump has been really big on rolling back everything Obama has done, including all the good things. But why? Like, I, I, ah, oh, it just makes me like really frustrated mm -hmm. because we're the ones getting riled up. Well, yeah, yeah. And it's like to take back anybody's like rights. That's a bad look. I, I just can't fathom how they are justifying this to themselves. As an optimistic person, I like to go about my days thinking that people are doing what is good in their eyes. But when it comes to actions like these, it throws a little of that logic out the window. I feel like it's more of like sending a message at the mm. price of hurting trans people. Those are the communities they're willing to just cut in order to make some kind of benefit. When you deliberately make decisions that are going to put some people on the outside, that's fascism. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is gross. I'm astounded that this is something that we have to talk about today, mm -hmm. but uh, I think it's really important that we are aware that this is happening. Like, um, and if this goes through, we can't really stand for that because, like, where does it stop? Like, it, if we're going to allow people's rights to be, like, trounced upon here, then it's, it's, we're basically, you know, being complicit to it, and that's equally as bad. So I think mm -hmm. what's important to take away is that we have a lot of work to do in order yeah. to get to a place where everyone is going to feel safe in this country. Especially as people who have the privilege of not being trans, we need to do everything that we can to protect some of our most vulnerable. Exactly. And to regulate people's lives when their own lived experiences have no bearing on your life, then that's just cruel. And I, I can't see how... I'm, and we would want to support something like this. So anyway, I, I just want to think that was important. Uh, I just wanted to... It's something people should be mad about. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm livid about this. Like, I want to go to the rooftops and, like, scream about it for a while. Do some Yoko Ono scream work and just... Like, for over for two years, since 2016, I've been saying, oh, this is the last straw. But this isn't. We still got two years down the barrel. And this is uh, making it difficult to stay sane. And I just want to like send my love out to all of the wonderful trans individuals in the fandom, not in the fandom. Um, this is going to be a tough time for a lot of people, especially if this gets off the ground. So, Tattoo your trans friends pronouns on the back of your eyelids. Like, this is the point where we have to go out of our way to help. On that fun note... Yeah, let's move on to our discussion <laughs> of, <laughs> of Folsom. Oh, goodness. Of the uh, Folsom Street Fair. I'm going to smoke a little bit more before okay. we go into that. I feel the cosmos. Well, let's describe exactly like what you, it looks like when you first arrive, and maybe we can give some context about like how it got started in the first mm -hmm. place. And So we got there like via BART with our partners. Which station did we get off on? Like Civic? Yeah, the Civic Center. Um, so it's it's very near like City Hall. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of like in the opposite direction after you get off the BART station. But uh, you go a couple blocks and you arrive on Folsom Street. Mm -hmm. And I believe like it went for several blocks in either direction and it was pretty large. It was maybe just like a block away from the station. We walked over there and there were very obviously people who were heading to that event from where we were going, like even from the BART station. Even on the train itself. We oh, saw yeah. some people that were like, oh, they're going to the kink thing. Oh, yeah. There was like one dude in like a Kill Lock Hill jacket and the rest was kind of kinky and I loved it. But we kind of like followed the crowd and... 
you go through the gates and you're just kind of and and i think it's important that we should mention that it is blocked off there are like bag checks that you have to go through and there's security around there's there's officers that are patrolling to make sure that things don't go out of control are you sure there's those weren't people in kink gear because oh (laughs) oh shit that is a great question i mean i'm pretty sure it's illegal to impersonate an officer at at a space where there's going to be security Mm -hmm. like that might be a little bit suspect and it's not like they're wearing like a badge with their ass hanging out or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a specific kink officer look. So I think they were probably <laughs> security for real. But in any case, like, that's the kind of environment that we're talking about. It's not mm. the kind of thing that if you're walking down the street with your seven-year-old, you're just going to, like, wander into. Like, you're going to hit one of these barriers. There is a threshold that you have to choose to cross. Oh, yeah. And I think it's really important that we make that distinction because in a hotel public space, there isn't that line between, mm-hmm. like, I'm in the convention and I'm just in the lobby because that's how I have to get to my room. Or even... Even like I'm in the more kinkier area of the convention. Or right, not. right, yeah. It can be really unclear. So, um, Folsom is an interesting place. It's and an interesting, like, little event. Like, it's a little microcosm that I don't feel like could exist other than, like, in that one time in one place, you know? Well, yeah, and Folsom is an interesting event for me in that, not unlike San Francisco Pride, where public nudity is accepted, mm-hmm. it is very much present and... Um, Almost encouraged. Encouraged, and and some people even go further than just being nude and start to engage in, like, actual sex with mm-hmm. other people on the street. There's That's demonstrations. Kind of what there's, it's known for. There's people, you know, just kind of fooling around, and it's... It's completely legal. Like that. That's that stuff's allowed to happen and go on, and that's so interesting to me. Uh, having you know come from uh, the Midwest, I never would have anticipated that there was any kind of event like this going mm-hmm. on. Even like in like this time in in our country, it just doesn't seem like this kind of thing is something that people can get away with. So when I found out about it, I was like, oh my god, that's a thing that is allowed to happen. It's very much like a modern Sodom and Gomorrah kind of situation. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there was actually... Well, I don't know about that. It really does happen. And it's kind of like, oh, you get to watch, you get to see the show. And also people kind of get to be exhibitionistic as well. And we get to be voyeuristic. I was just blown away when I found out this thing existed. And after a couple of years of living in the Bay Area, I finally worked up the courage to actually just go and check it out. Same. Uh, so when... It was both of our first times. It was, yeah. We were both fulsome virgins. And we really just wanted to kind of get a lay of the land and get a sense of, like, what happens there and maybe do some people watching and just kind of, you know, see what it's like. So that that was sort of our approach to uh, this event. So we didn't necessarily, like stick around and go to any of the big shows or like go to any like the bars we didn't we we did not experience it from that side of things we didn't really go to like dive deep into it and like find ourselves in a swing a couple hours later and oh yeah yeah we just we just wanted to kind of like mostly just walk around and experience things kind of be there for the first time see what it's actually like i know that they were were kind of doing the tourist thing oh yeah but uh but there are a lot of other people who were doing it too and i think we were a little bit more like geared up for it than than many people were some people seem like they just came here like off the street just like oh i went and i did my taxes and i'm also here to see all the naked and sexy people which is kind of fun and makes it feel a lot less like of a judgmental space that was like the weirdest part of it to me like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of nudity and like sexual acts happening and things to see and do but just like the normal people who Mm -hmm. just kind of you know, I'm just looking around and maybe just passing through and just that was like the most like out of place drawing aspect about the whole thing. And that's mm. it was cool because like you said, it kind of normalized it in a sense where it like it wasn't a big deal to them. Yeah. And I really appreciated that they could like pass through and, you know, take note of what's happening and not really be like traumatized by it. And mm-hmm. um and just like allow people to explore and express themselves like sexually or just like with their bodies. You really get to choose the level in which you engage in like the process. Yeah. And that from like the spectrum of like getting fisted on the sidewalk and like walking around in your khakis, everything in between there is valid and like open and encouraged and accepted. I don't actually know. We should maybe look into this or someone can look into this. You can look into this, listeners. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually know if like the sex acts themselves are particularly covered under like the legality of the situation. I think it might be something that is just expected because it, it's happened in the past. And I think that it's kind of just forgiven or like uh, unless like someone like brings it up to the police like as a problem. I don't think mm-hmm. th- I think they kind of just give it a pass on this weekend. So like the laws for Folsom do have like a three strike 
strike warning about they, they that. They do, but all of like uh, strikes come uh, when you start to engage in activity with other people. Mm-hmm. Like the regulations that are actually on the books regard public nudity, not behavior. Yeah. So, so we shouldn't necessarily give people the impression that that the sex part isn't illegal. It's just permitted for a day. Is is that my understanding of it? Because like I'm pretty yeah. sure that the nudity is legal. But I don't think that the actual like behaviors are, but they aren't regulated either. They aren't stopped. Yeah, I think either the police give it a free pass or like it's kind of more of a tradition than anything else. I know there are particular laws for it. And I say that because because we can go over what the three strikes are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to tell you right now, I saw people doing everything on that list. Yeah, I, no one got stopped. I saw people getting fucked, like, in front of fully uniformed police officers. Right. And I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm just kind no. of... I just wanted to, like, make sure that people are clear on, on, like, what... That's what the expectation is. Right, yeah. That it's an expectation that you're going to see sex happening. And it's it's accepted to the degree that even though the rules of Folsom say no, it, no one gives a shit. Yeah, basically. Um... So I think it's important to be aware of that because that's going to kind of inform how people behave in that space. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that relates to like, this larger issue of consent or larger like concept of consent, really, things get kind of muddy. And we have some interesting things to talk about yeah, regarding well, that. But let's back it up a bit and see what does Folsom actually say is permitted and not permitted? Like, what- yeah. So it says that they do not want to see you engaging with public sex. And if they do, there's a three strike warning. And the first warning is a verbal finger wag, like, hey, you kids, stop fucking on my lawn. And nothing really happens from there. The second is that they will expel you from the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third is that they would actually contact police. Oh, okay. So you're you're given a lot of leeway. Oh, yeah. You don't get kicked out immediately. Even then, like, no one ever seems to really warn you. Right. And also there's a surprising amount of privacy inside the very large crowds. Hmm. Um, Especially when we were, like, at the very end and you're, like, the dance area. When everyone is shoulder to shoulder to shoulder... It's hard to, to even be seen. In that it was quite crowded there. And mm. if I find like one major critique of the entire experience, it was just that I don't think there was enough space to hold all of those people. I think that's my biggest problem with the con, with not the con, um, with the fair, in that it was constantly overwhelming the number of people. And especially as someone who deals with a lot of like social anxiety, I don't like being like in a very claustrophobic situation like that. There were points where it like sucked and I wished it had been in like a more open space like Pride. Because when you're forced between like booths and it's just a street and there are way too many people there, you are just kind of constantly trying to weave between people. And occasionally you weave around people who are having sex. And that's one thing that kind of really holds me back a bit. But I feel like it's more important that the rest of the stuff goes on. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have to take a break. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. All right, now that we're back from our break, we're going to talk about some of the history of Folsom. And since the dollop is canceled, I'm going to give y'all a good history lesson about it. How was that? Great. <laughs> I don't know what the dollop is. I can't comment, so. That's fair. They, they were stupid and uh, anti-queer, but. Oh, okay. Um, so I basically just did a little bit of um, research on the history of Folsom. It was kind of interesting how certain places covered it and excluded certain parts. But the most comprehensive history of it is on the Folsom website. Makes sense. Um, it's like, it's incredibly long and covers a lot of the ongoing history. Give us some stuff. What did you learn? What, what was yeah. interesting to you? All right. So all the way back in the 1940s, there were a large number of queer men discharged from the military. They were called blue discharges because they were out as queer and then they started excluding queer people from the military. So there was an influx of queer men going into large urban cities. 
part of San Francisco that began to develop was called Soma or South of Market Street. Holy shit, I've never realized that's what that stood for. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even go into San Francisco as much as you do. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Well, to be Proceed. fair, <laughs> I only learned this like last night while I was researching this. Oh, okay. So. And Soma was kind of the home of the poor working class. Um, a lot of people who were laid off from the dock works um, that were eventually turned into like housing and other industrial stuff were moved to this area because they had lost their jobs and were looking for wealth there. So Folsom, the street Folsom came into focus because people north of Folsom Street, or rather the people who owned real estate north of Folsom Street, would not lend any homes or space to black people. And they would mostly just give it to white people who were coming into the area to be kind of artists and poets and such. Okay. South of Market and south of Folsom were kind of the areas where the immigrant black population was growing over time. And because of that like strong separation between the areas, Folsom kind of became an area known for the more seedier parts of San Francisco. Around the late 40s, early 50s, there was the quote-unquote prosperity plan put across by the San Francisco government. And essentially they were trying to modernize the area by adding parks and roads and eventually BART. Um, which is one of the big infrastructure things of San Francisco. Oh, the public transit, yeah. A lot of that involved tearing down the homes of people of color and the lowest, uh, the most vulnerable in San Francisco in order to add infrastructure, displacing large numbers of people once again. At the same time, the toolbox opens up in 1961 on 4th Street. What's the um, toolbox? It is the first gay leather club oh, to be okay. opened. Life magazine ended up covering it later that year, and it was the first national publication of queer gay media. Wow. Um, it was done by Life magazine. and The Toolbox is a good name for a, for a leather club. It's pretty good. Um, it closed in around the early 70s, and along with many other queer establishments over time, and while this prosperity plan is going about, the government of San Francisco is cracking down on bathhouses and other places that queer men uh, congregate at, like bars as well, by raiding them with police, since the police kind of work in hand with um, the government, but also very much representing the real estate interests of people in the area in order to just drive queer people out of the area so they could industrialize it. And eventually, one of the bigger problems became known as the Yerba Buena Project. Um, you may be familiar with Yerba Buena Park in San Francisco. Yeah. A lot of people used to live there. And it became one of the biggest focal points of lower income housing advocacy in the area. How does this all tie back into the street fair? I, I promise you it ties back. Okay. I swear to God. This is super interesting. Um, but it's, it's like, I was not expecting it to start like in the 1940s. So the Yerba Brenna project starts in 1961 okay. and is immediately seen with a large amount of backlash by housing rights advocates. Eventually, it was built in 1971, kind of the housing advocates lost. During this time, while they're trying to do that, police are raiding and shutting down queer establishments. Despite this, Folsom contained what was known as the Miracle Mile, in which there are around 30 different queer bars and places that you can meet, and especially leather. Um, that leather kind of scene was really strongly represented there. And the backlash increases significantly in the 1980s when the AIDS crisis starts. Okay, makes sense. And this is when the housing rights advocates and the leather groups come together, in which the housing rights activists, while fighting further modernization from the SF government, wanted to prove that there was already a living and thriving community in the area. Because people were saying that, oh, it's just like a wasteland of queer people dying of AIDS and such. They wanted to prove that, hey, this is a big, thriving community. Yeah. And they started the first street fair on Folsom called Megahood. And it was kind of supposed to, it's such a weird name. Um, it, it's supposed to... Is that a, of, like an uncut cock joke? No, it's not a sex thing at oh. this point. Oh, okay. It's just kind of showing that, hey, there are queer people in this, in this area and supporting like oh, housing it's, rights. It's the mega neighborhood? 
Yeah, the mega hood. <laughs> oh, I completely misinterpreted that. It's such I, a strange I guess I'm just thinking of what it is today. Anyway. No, it's fine. It makes sense. But as it slowly grew over time, the leather and kink scene, which continued to develop in that area around Folsom, started to take kind of a more center stage. Um, and slowly over time, it went from mega hood into Folsom Street Fair. And it slowly changed into like what we know today as kind of a really progressive event based on the people who were there and the people who organized it. It's much less kind of a housing thing now because that area has already been gentrified. But the pleasant thing is that there are now copies across the world. There is a copy in New York, Toronto, and Berlin every year that are kind of directly inspired by this kind of thing. And like, I kind of wish it was still about helping the disadvantaged and black people in the area, but they have already completely driven black people out of San Francisco. So at least the sex stuff still remains, I guess. And that's kind of my story of Folsom Street Fair. That was much more elaborate than I expected it to be. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I'm glad that I was able to get like a good amount of research done. I think the, definitely the most comprehensive story of it all um, that goes into far more detail than I did is on the Folsom website. If you go to like the heritage section, hmm. it's pages and pages and pages. Oh, awesome. I'll have to check that out. Yep. So with all that said, let's talk a little bit more about our own experiences there. And like, yeah, um, I think to kind of set the stage, we both arrived with partners and mm -hmm. we both were wearing our pup hoods. We didn't come in wearing our pup hoods. That's true. That's, like, that's a good point. We're we, on the bar. We, we we brought them with us and we kind of like looked for a place to change when we got there. And, mm -hmm. and by looking for a place, I mean, like we tried to find a place that wasn't occupied by masses of uh, yeah. people, which was really hard to do. We kind of immediately were hit with crowds shoulder to shoulder, um, not like right at the gate, but it kind of pretty soon after that past the porta potties. And I have to say that that never really never really like significantly let up throughout the course of mm. our time there. I think it got worse over time. We did kind of arrive a little bit late in the day, sort of, you know, like late afternoon. Yeah. And I think maybe that's uh, has a lot to do with like the amount of people that was there. Because mm -hmm. I think the event ends around like six or something. It, it ends kind of early. So yeah, we probably were there during like the big hours. That said, the crowds were a bit of a pain. But and we were able to find like kind of a small bit of respite and a respite and kind of just a part of the sidewalk that people weren't mobbing constantly. Which is where we were able to dress up or mm -hmm. I guess in my case dress down a little bit. I put on my pup hood and Comet put on and took some things off as well. Okay so I had talked previously in the show about like underwear parties at conventions mm -hmm. and I don't know I guess I just wanted to like go one step further this time and so mm -hmm. uh, I Tried something that I had never done before, and knowing that this was an event that allowed for public nudity, mm -hmm. uh, I, I pretty much just wore my hood and a harness. But that was pretty much it. So, yeah. like, I was very much out and about, so to speak. What kind of inspired you to do that? Like, what was going through your head beforehand and maybe during the event? I don't know. I guess it was kind of, like, thrilling in a way. In an exhibitionistic way? Yeah, sure, yeah. Like, I didn't necessarily, like, go with the intention of hooking up with anybody. I, in fact, I didn't really want that from the experience. Mm -hmm. But I guess, I don't know, it just seems like it, it was something that would be, like, exciting. I, I would feel a little bit thrilling because, like, you know, that's not something that you normally do. Mm -hmm. And I was just really curious about, like, what, people's reactions would be, I guess. You know, you don't you don't walk around, like down the street naked on the average day. And and having the pup put, I think, allowed me a little bit more comfort in the sense that I wasn't really like easily going to be identified yeah. um, just on the street. So like I, I was still a little bit anonymous and I still had some sense of like security in that. Like I was able to, I don't know, just try something to kind of like help express myself because mm -hmm. you and I went to San Francisco Pride, I think maybe a year ago. And mm -hmm. um, there were some people who were like walking around naked there. And I was like really shocked that that was something that was allowed. But the more I thought about it, it's like I, I walk around my apartment with, in just my boxers or sometimes <laughs> with nothing just because it's comfortable. Yeah. And just being naked in itself is not necessarily like a sexual statement. And I, I think, think at, at Folsom more so is. And I think my my choice to do so was to, I guess, to show off a little bit. Yeah. So that, that component is certainly there. And speaking as someone who like is your friend, you are not someone who is at all braggadocious. Um, you're someone who I consider to be very humble. So 
having the experience for you to like show off a bit is I think really empowering and it shows comfort within your own skin in a way. It's such like a contrasting experience with other parts of your life that I think that kind of like adds to the thrill and kind of why it was like fun to like see you experience that as well. Does that kind of ring true? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like this is totally one of those kinds of things where it's like, oh God, I hope my parents never listened to this podcast because of this story. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, this was a choice that I made and I felt like better about myself after I felt more like connected with who I am and I didn't need to really do anything other than to just present myself in this one exciting kind of way and this like one exciting kind of like day and I be you and walk around yeah and it felt really liberating and I feel like that's a kind of cheesy thing to say but like I don't know how else to to describe it I I felt really proud of myself afterwards that I was able to do that Mm -hmm. because I don't know I'm a very nervous person and I have a lot of social anxieties and things and I don't normally like approach people at parties when I I know like what kind of like type of personality I am so this is was a big step for me and Mm -hmm. I think I've been in a position lately where I want to force myself out of my comfort zone to do things that I think I look at and say, like, you know, that, that looks fun. But, you know, like, I'm not the kind of person that would do that. And actually take the step to push myself to be comfortable with who I am and, and not feel embarrassed for, like, desiring things. Yeah. And in this case, my desire was to just walk around a little naked. And that was and it was great. And mm. so I, I really enjoyed the experience. And it, was, it um, seemed like a lot of fun. Like. Uh, I'm, you got a lot of fun attention. I'm glad it wasn't weird. <laughs> but but there were so many other things to see and other people doing a lot more than me in that regard. So oh, I didn't, yeah. So I didn't so that was another thing. I didn't take off everything at first. It was like a gradual like process for me. And and it was after like I saw that I wasn't the only one and I wasn't mm-hmm. gonna be like the only person mm-hmm. like doing this. It became easier for me to remove like the final layers and be like, okay, yeah, this is this is me. And like, I, maybe next year I'll go without the hood. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I can see myself going back to Folsom to experience it again now that I, I know a little bit more about like what to expect from it. But mm-hmm. um, that component alone was uh, what made it worth it for me. I feel like it's emblematic of the whole experience in that you were able to truly show how you felt. Your sexual identity was very much like on display in a way that is never even remotely shown in every other day that isn't fulsome or like that maybe we only save for like after dark twitter and there's a whole community that gets to experience that and a space that's safe for that kind of demonstration in which people are consenting to be seeing people being naked or engaging in stuff it's really it makes me really happy to know that like this is a good step in normalizing the expression of sexual identities and while it's still like probably seen as extreme and the rest of people's eyes, it kind of it's something that needs to exist if we want to have like a more, I guess, sexually liberated society. With that said, yes, as individuals who consider ourselves to be sexually liberated, I think it is important to revisit the ever presence topic of consent. Yes, um, particularly in a space such as this where it is assumed that you're going to be seeing and potentially even engaging in uh, sexual activities with other people, maybe strangers, maybe people that you know, but in a setting that is very public. I think it's a space where like visual consent is very much an agreed upon thing. Like we talked about in regards to like pup spaces at cons, like if you enter like a pup party, you are consenting to seeing like a pup hood and maybe pup play. It's a different different atmosphere for sure. Yes. And uh, one of the very first things you see as you enter into the space are these giant signs that the Folsom have put up at their entrances mm-hmm. that say that nude person, that nude body is not consent. Yeah, nudity is not consent. And this is the first year, I believe, that they had this sign up. They were talking a bit about it on the website in which they were very much talking about consent and they very much made it something that like was on the forefront of everything which made me really happy honestly because it's one of my biggest concerns entering that space and it honestly was still one of my big concerns like throughout the space as well do you feel that people took heed of those signs well in a productive way I wish people had taken more heed for that kind of thing. Because like even as someone who wasn't fully exposed, there were like people who would just walk up and try and like hug me and like 
try and like grow uh, you as well experienced people's kind of like walking up and doing stuff i did yeah have one or two moments of i don't want to say forced non-consent because at the moment i verbalized no people respected that mm-hmm. but there was a moment when someone kind of like asked if they could touch me and i said yes and then they immediately began to attempt to perform a different action other than what they had, had agreed to. And mm-hmm. then I had to stop them because that's not what they had asked for. Yeah, that's not and what you had consented to. Exactly. And so, you know, as great of, the, of an experience as it was for me, like there was that kind of sour moment where I had to actually like check someone and mm-hmm. say like, dude, to consent for one thing doesn't mean that everything is on the table. Yeah, it's not like a carte blanche like exactly. acceptance of everything. Exactly. And like, the same problem with that and the other like groping and hugging kind of thing and this very much is involved in the furry fandom as well is that people who are exhibiting their identities in a certain way either more sexually whether they're wearing a pup hood or a fursuit consent is assumed on the party of the person doing the acting like when someone says like hey can i give you a hug that's assumed but if you like grab for the ass after that's going beyond what you would ask for yes yeah that's taking advantage that's not putting your intentions forward as you should have done Mm -hmm. and like i've experienced this at cons as well like even just wearing a pup hood or having a fursuit head on like i've had people just like walk up to me and grope me you have yeah at the last blfc i was just wearing my pup hood at the dance with my partner and like I had multiple people, other people in pup hoods and non-pup hoods, just like walk up to me and like grope me while they walk by. Wow. Like, and I, that's something that's kind of common in the furry community. Like people don't have a full respect for boundaries and that boundaries are consent. And that's why like I was a little bit disappointed at Fulsome seeing people not really asking consent much. I think part of it has to do, this is no excuse whatsoever, but part of it has to do with the sheer amount of people high and drunk on shit. Mm. Like people very obviously on like Molly and ecstasy and like stoned and drunk and maybe a combination of all of the above mm. yeah. leads to people fucking up like that. One of the things the, the consent signs specifically called for was that people didn't assume that, that a person that was naked was consenting to mm. to their picture being taken. That's actually one of the things that was like printed on the signs. Is like, just don't assume that, that nudity means that you shouldn't ask first. And one of the weird things for me was that people approached me and asked to take my picture and I wasn't really like anticipating that. And again, it was kind of like a fun thing where I was kind of like, sure, again, like my face is covered. So, you know, whatever. But if I said yes to one person, like all of a sudden there'd be like a ring of people around me all taking pictures yeah. at the same time. And it kind of felt like I was wearing a fursuit at a furry convention because mm-hmm. uh, whenever someone asks to take a fursuiter's picture and they like stop and pose, then all the other people with mm-hmm. cameras kind of like swarm and they all have to get their great shot. They all kind of capitalize off of that one person's question. Yeah. And in Folsom, it's more complicated because... I'd say for like for every one person who asks, there were maybe 20, 30 people who didn't. And, people- it's, not, and it's not even just in, in moments when someone was actually like engaging with me in a conversation. Like I would catch people out of the corner of my eye, like snapping pictures. There were people following you to take more pictures. Really? And I was like getting in between you and them. Creeps oh, with like, well, thank you. That, that's so creepy. And also, taking someone's picture without their consent is creepy. And people are just constantly walking around with their phones in front of their face, filming the entire thing. And but Leon, I'd say, playing devil's advocate. I'm just at this event, just like you are here to enjoy myself, and you're clearly knocking around naked in a public space. Like you've, you know that people are going to see you. So what's really the harm in me just like capturing a video? I'm not going to post it. It's just for me. Well, to answer your devil's advocacy, you are consenting to be nude in that space, but you're not consenting for your image to be all over the internet. Like, you're not consenting to be jack-off material for someone later. And it would feel so much more rewarding if people just asked. But when people don't ask or do creepy shit, it's a clear breach of that consent and just a blatant disregard for that person's identity. Specifically on the site, Folsom said that, you know, don't take pictures of people without asking. But if you see, like, a performer or something, that's fine. Because they're kind of consenting to be voyeuristically seen, I think. Well, sure. I mean, they're they're usually, like, billed. There's, like, you You know, know what's going to happen. Exactly, yeah. That was my biggest disappointment, I think. I don't want to be that old curmudgeon of everyone's, like, behind their phones constantly and they don't see what's actually in front of them. But, like, my biggest 
experience was just letting it all wash over me mm-hmm. and just being so obsessed with capturing everything for later is such like a our generation kind of behavior even me like just in the fursuit hood fully clothed fursuit hood uh, <laughs> a pup head <laughs> well done you're nailing it okay let's meet the two in the middle pup hood a pup mega hood, one might say. <laughs> Even I felt like a little bit weird, like seeing people take pictures of me. Like, and I had people ask, like, "Hey, can I take a picture of you?" And like, sure, and that was fine. Yeah, I it was nice. I actually didn't mind it when people it would, like, would ask. Exactly, exactly. And it's like, of course, I knew I was going to be seen, and you know, mm-hmm. to some degree, knew that people were going to be taking pictures because if you're walking around in public, it, you know, that's going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. everyone has a, a cell phone. And again, that's largely why I chose to wear the hood in the first place because what well, gave me an excuse to like wear it out and and just be a pup and that's really fun but i don't know i don't really have a problem with people asking me for permission it was it's the assumptions the unstated assumptions that consent is something that kind of like blossoms out from like one person asking yeah like a yes to one person doesn't mean a yes to everyone and a yes to that one person doesn't mean a yes to them next time necessarily mm. like it's situational and I, I think you have to be aware that consent is a, isn't a something that you acquire and then then you own it's something that you have to constantly evaluate and make sure that everyone is okay yes and you can be in a situation where you're putting yourself out there and then become uncomfortable and no longer want to be in that space and you should have the freedom to like to withdraw from it and if people are really pushy about things it makes it hard for them to do that sometimes as we've said before like with puppets and stuff consent in a certain space is constantly negotiated so to a degree i believe people are like expected to have pictures taken of them yeah, but yeah. the disregard of it i think was what bothered me the most it bothered me less than people being physical without asking for permission that one is definitely way worse like for example on our way out like we had gone all the way to like the dance area which was probably the most crowded um and on our way back i was a little bit peeved by the number of people and like that was when people most were like trying to like touch me and stuff Mm. and i was having none of it people were even just trying to hug me like being sweet i'm like not today please thank you no thank you literally having to push people away like that's when like hey i'm in a puphood i'm in a kink space but you know, it doesn't mean that you can just reach out and grab me, you know? Right. And I think that's the big takeaway that I want to communicate with this whole discussion is mm-hmm. that uh, just because you are, you know, a sexual person and just because you own that and just because uh, you deliberately go to a space that kind of puts that at the forefront, that doesn't mean that you have to stop worrying about the consent just because yeah. like you're like a woke person, like this is something that is something that you have to consider all the time don't let people pressure you you can be a sexually open-minded person and still violate someone's feeling of like security and safety Mm -hmm. even in a space that's like wild and crazy like fulsome where this kind of behavior is expected you can still push people beyond their limits and if you're not paying attention to the other people if you're just doing things for yourself then that's Mm -hmm. a problem and i think that Again, I, I had a really, really great time at Folsom. I will totally go back another time. I do think it was overly crowded, and I do think that some of the behavior was not really called for. But by and large, it was a great experience. But I just think that if we want to maintain events like this, we have to be courteous to our fellow human beings. Treat people with respect. So I'm going to get off my soapbox there, but I just wanted to point out that you can be like a kinky cooled down with a person and still you're still like accountable for your actions mm-hmm. yeah at the end of the day that's one of the biggest things that i'm definitely taking away as well so maybe to switch gears a little bit can we maybe talk about some of the more like other positive things that we experienced oh, like, oh sure just like maybe just a few <laughs> miscellaneous things yeah yeah i guess something that stands out for me at Folsom. I really enjoyed exploring all the different booths and things yeah. that they had available. It was, again, kind of like crowded, so it was like really tough to get up to them at times. Like, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it felt like the crowd was kind of like ushering you along. But Bad Dragon was there, which was oh, really neat. I love the Bad Dragon booth. Bad Dragon is, is like the furry company that manufactures dragon-shaped dildos and sex yeah. toys. And, you know, they found a niche that both the furry fandom and any sci-fi geek must be thrilled about. And, I'm uh, thrilled. And it was cool to see uh, their table. and um, We got and a free goodie bag. Oh, yeah. We got some cool, like, like tote bags. Mm-hmm. They gave us, like, a uh, Bad Dragon logo with, like, a little pup flag on it, which was very cute. And we got some little little mini dildo things that are to test out the, um, like, the pressure of the weed. 
or <laughs> the oh Leon <laughs> used, to, <laughs> used to test out like how firm you want the dildo. Yeah, they have little miniatures. They were so cute. We were playing with them afterwards, and they're so adorable. I keep them on my desk at home, so whenever I'm working, I can just like reach over and like touch my little dildos. I think they're funny. <laughs> anyway, what else did you uh, get to experience at Folsom that really stuck out to you? I think it was fun just kind of being a bit of a voyeur. I enjoy watching people have sex. So, like, it was kind of cool to see, like, different combinations of people doing different things. Like, people engaging in, like, casual water sports or, like... Wait, did you see that? I saw multiple people just kind of, like, pissing straight into their alcohol cup and, like, handing it to people. Really? Yeah! Huh. People with, like, I their top buttons unbuttoned. Uh, so, like, their dick's just basically almost there. It's not hanging out. Yeah. But it's very much within, like, grabbing distance. I've seen a few with ripped jeans that were there. They're mm. clearly freeballing it. And oh, yeah. So, like, I'm glad we're talking about that because it was really cool to see not just people's bodies, but the way they chose to like explore displaying their bodies. Exactly. It was like, it was kind of akin to like just watching all the people in different fursuits and seeing the variety. It was mm. so fascinating to see how different individuals chose to express themselves and like given this palette of freedom. Yeah. And, and it was something that was kind of unexpected and like, you know, sure, like I want partially that people watch too. Mm. Um, but I was really surprised by, I guess like how like casual the space was yeah. in terms of like the way that people like talked and interacted with one another like I felt really like chill and kind of like down to earth mm -hmm. um, it didn't feel like walking into a sex store where there's that kind of like weight looming over you or like oh my god <laughs> like even though it's like you know it's okay to be there it still feels a little like shady somehow like it, mm -hmm. I didn't really have that sense in this space and I think that's because people were so open and, and were just cool with just being themselves and what you're describing as a yeah. lot of the ways that they kind of hung out and <laughs> so to speak. For me, like the most important thing about sexual expression and sexual freedom is the ability to just express yourself however the fuck you want. And I wish there were more spaces like this where people could just be them and not have to feel ashamed about how they want to be or who they are. That's part of like the beauty of it. I could sit and people watch all day. There were even like drag queens there. There were the um, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, yeah. which is such a good name. Yeah. Um, wonderful drag. So much like fun sights and sounds and like people you can even interact with if you want. Yep. Other good things. Um, there was a hot dog stand outside. Oh, yeah. And when we were coming in, they didn't look very appetizing or smell appetizing. But on our way out. Well, we had been walking around a lot and we're kind of hungry. And, you know, those hot dogs suddenly looked real damn good. We were all like salivating and staring at like a cart that was cooking like hot dogs outside. What a more perfect spot to actually get that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure they made a, a lot of money off their, I off hope their so. dogs. And of course, it's hot dogs. I think that's pretty good. I think that pretty much sums up our experience. Yeah. Yeah, overall, I'd say it was a good time. Very much looking forward to going again. Um, maybe I'll like check out the bar scene next time now that I have a little bit more of an idea of like what to expect. I bet you could get invited to a couple parties. Yeah, maybe. I like again. I'm not necessarily going to participate in terms of like my outward behavior, but mm. if I'm there just to like hang out and again maybe to explore by watching, I think that's also kind of interesting. It's it's kind of cool to see people who are like really having a good time engaged in sexual activity because you get to learn from them. Oh yeah, informative. <laughs> yeah, but also just like it's just not something that you see every day and so like it's a very unfiltered, non-porn kind of mm. look at human sexuality and it's so much more pure than like porn makes it out to be when it's especially the studio produced stuff which I just can't stand. Oh yeah. So yeah, I like it for that reason and and maybe i'll check out more of that scene we'll see well there is dory alley or up your alley which is kind of like a spring off event of this that's also in san francisco i heard it's very similar but a little bit less for lack of a better word commercial or, mm -hmm. or touristy i think it's like the more hardcore is like how it's been described to me before so, so um maybe we'll check that out sometime. So maybe yeah i'm not quite sure what all that entails it's worth looking into though yeah but overall like it's a great wonderful experience and i'm glad that we were able to get lots of lots of identity and consent out of it as well indeed so <laughs> so now would it be good if we went into the weed wrap-up yeah i think it's a good time to do that we're rubbing sound effect Woo -woo. bill clinton <laughs> i experimented with marijuana time or two and i didn't like it 
Thanks, Bill. So, Leon, remind me what the name of the strain is again? Something? So, it was Sour Chem. Sour Chem, okay. I almost fucked that up really bad. It was a kind of stronger, heady sativa. It's really drying the fuck out of my mouth, um, which is a very sativa thing to do. It is. But overall, we got kind of distracted, but it was very much kind of like a very relaxing, just kind of like chill conversation. Good for like rambling a bit, getting off topic in the best ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to me. I'm not super like in my head kind of like head high, but like Mm -hmm. I'm definitely having a hard time concentrating in the long term. Mm -hmm. Like I'll feel very like passionate about like, I can't wait to talk about this. Then I'll just like lose it in the middle of like the sentence. So it's it's, it's one of those. But I have to say it's been, yeah, like really relaxing. I feel really chill and laid back. And this has been a really good conversation. I've I've really enjoyed this one. It's great. I think that's going to do it for us today on the Huff and Puff podcast. So if you would like to contact us you can email us at huffpuffpodcast at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter at huffpuffpodcast we still have gotten no emails from anybody but that's okay i'm not mad at you listener it's okay i understand we all have social anxiety and we deal with it in different ways but if you'd like to contact us you can use that email the introduction and outro to our song is Get Me by Solar Dog. You can check out his website and Twitter at SXLXRDXG. So thanks for Soul for that. Oh, I doubt they listened to this, but congratulations to Ace and Rybark from Barking Points for getting married. Oh, um, wow. This past oh, weekend. Good. good for them. So dog marriage is happening and Yay. it's legal. So one really positive thing that really brightened up my weekend. Yeah, I think that's all of our sponsors and contacts and, and, and thank yous and so forth. So thanks again for listening to the HuffPuff podcast and we'll join you next time. With more topics of identities and come coming at you next time. Can we try like one more exit? Because sure. I don't like what I said. Okay. <laughs> Would you like to check another puff at it? Uh, uh, those aren't even good at all. Okay. Thanks for huffing and puffing with the podcast. Mistake of my life. I. That's right. H O G. Share your prongles with me. Cause everybody wanna chip and everybody beg for more. Everybody wanna chip and everybody beg for more. For only two ninety nine, you can buy them at the store. Getting tickle peas from the salt and potato. And if you really wanna get in hoggy hog heaven, turn it up loud, crank it to eleven, pop the top of a green can. Know what I mean? That's onions and cream. Yo, prongles are the type of shit that make little piggies green with envy. I'm gonna leave it at that.